Welcome, Rams fans, to the latest episode of the 11 Personnel Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Rich Hammond, Rams beat writer for The Athletic, and I'm very happy to welcome a special guest, someone who knows a lot about the Rams, somebody who's been a comforting face and voice, I have to say, over these last couple weeks here when whenever you turn on the NFL Network for... Uh, for some sign of normalcy, and I'm uh, very, uh, very glad to welcome Andrew Siciliano to the podcast. So, how you doing, Andrew? Hey, Rich. It's good to talk to you. Long time listener, first time caller, um, <laughs> and I, 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 I know you're being sarcastic that it's a, a comforting voice, not face. But I'm happy the network is up and running, and uh, um, just trying to, you know, cobble some shows together and give people something to watch other than the news, which can be depressing. Yeah, that's that's for sure. And we're, we're going to get into a lot of Ram stuff here because uh, for those who don't know, and I know most everybody does, I mean, Andrew's been around the Rams for a long time, uh, going back to the St. Louis days when uh, doing a preseason play-by-play and, of course, uh, doing a lot of preseason stuff since they returned to L.A. And, and Andrew's been all over the radio and, and TV for the last uh, 20 years or so. So well-versed on a lot of Ram stuff. We'll talk about Todd Gurley, about free agency logos, whatever else comes to mind. But, uh, you know, I, I, I really am not joking in a way. I mean, you know, we, we have – it's so difficult right now for everybody. And, and I think we understand uh, – I'm sure you agree, you know, the, the work that we do is not – it's certainly not essential. I mean, we're, we're certainly not uh, doctors and nurses and, and people who are keeping the, the stores filled and things like that. But – it really is, you know, comforting to to see what you guys are continuing to do there on the NFL Network every day. The the fact that you're able to to pull together those shows and and make them look so professional, uh, it can't be easy. I mean, what have these last couple of weeks been like as as you guys try to keep that content going and and you know try to make it look as well as you do? Uh, I'm gonna uh, start your answer or the answer by by saying, um, you know, tip of the cap to everyone who who we don't see on camera. And, and everyone, you know, working from home and working behind the scenes, um, you know, right now our, our campus is closed in Culver City. Our, our network, for all intents and purposes, is not operating, but uh, we're still very much on the air. And, and that's a testament to everyone's hard work and, and some ingenuity here. We're running a lot of um, replayed, you know, old games, which which was is a lot of offseason content regardless is what we're doing. But um, you know, we're trying to cobble together shows as much as we can, and, and we're using the home cams. Um, you know, our reporters are, are breaking news guys like Ian Rappaport and Mike Garofolo and Tom Pelissero. They have had their cameras at their houses uh, for years. And, and, you know, other guys are analysts like Kurt Warner or Steve Mariucci or, or Steve Smith. They, they have theirs as well. The issue has been getting cameras uh, in, into the, the homes of like the hosts, for example. So they gave one to me and one to Colleen Wolf. And, uh, it's, it's different rich because we don't have a control room. So for example, if you guys flip on ESPN right now or CNN, um, they're doing it with a bare bones staff. You're, you're not stacking 20 people in a TV control room. And for those who've never been in one, it's pretty tight quarters in there. You have a lot of people doing a lot of things to get on the air so that, you know, th- those networks have been able to stay on the air using multiple control rooms for one show, um, you know, running them parallel. We don't have a control room right now because it, our network is closed. Yeah. So we're doing stuff as close to live as we can. But in, in reality, it's on tape and we will set all our home cams up and we'll talk into those home cams. And 
The reason we're wearing AirPods is we're, we're, we're that's the way we're, we're hearing each other because there's no mix minus to send it back to everybody. And then we have our producers at home with their laptops recording it and uh, throwing the graphics and the B-roll and the video and the animations and all those on and then getting them on the air. So those are the people that are are, are deserving of all the credit here. And uh, we're, we're trying to give people something to watch and you know, we're trying to, to do all of that and, and build towards the draft and get that on the air in a couple of weeks as well. Yeah, it, it is pretty crazy. I, I know it's 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 like we're, we're kind of going ahead. I mean, I know all my colleagues who cover different sports, you know, they're all just kind of sitting trying to generate their own content. And, and here we are, you know, it's kind of full steam ahead. I, I go back and forth. I don't know how you feel. Andrew, I mean, in in some ways it feels comforting. In some ways, it feels kind of surreal to be sitting here, like I'm spending you know twelve hours working on a mock draft, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, I don't know whether this is good or bad. Like, I kind of go back and forth just from a from a mental standpoint. I mean, does does it help you to have kind of something else to, to to focus on to have that that work? I know we're all grateful to have the work, by the way. That that should not yeah. go unsaid. But but just from a from a kind of a mental standpoint, does it does it help you? Yeah, it does a lot for me, and then that that can't be said enough. I'm grateful that we have the work here. That that's the most important thing. Um, you know, we're the fortunate ones, and and thankfully we got something to do and talk about in a form that we you know in which to do it. That gives me a, a little bit of uh, a sense of sanity here. You know, knowing I, I have yeah. something to get up and do every morning as opposed to just staring out the window. So that's good. But I think the biggest thing, Rich, and, and if you go back to you know free agency where the league decided to push forward with it, is just finding the right tone, and and, yeah. and you know understanding that you know woo someone got a thirty million dollar contract, but right there's a real world going on out there as well, and uh, you have to give it a little bit of perspective here. That was the difficult thing for free agency, which seems like a hundred years ago at this point. Um, but I also got, and I'm sure you have as well, plenty of reaction from people around the league or friends or family members just saying, thank you for giving us something other than the news to watch. So you're walking a fine line and realizing that, you know, we, we are in the toy shop as you know, the, the old newsroom people would always call it. But, um, you know, thankfully, it's still up and running. Yeah, no, no question about that. There's, there's perspective, and I hope everybody in our position understands that. Again, so grateful to to have the job, to have the work, and and knowing, we certainly know when we're talking about you know millions of dollars being thrown around and all that. There's, there's people, you know, April first is people who are struggling to pay their rent right now and pay their bills, and yeah. and uh, I think everybody uh, understands that and and has that in in the proper perspective. But it is, it certainly is comforting in a way even if it's just an hour to turn on you know nfl network and and uh, get away from from the rest of it for a while but andrew the one thing i just i'm looking here nfl nfl red zone since 2005 that can't be right can it it hasn't really been 15 years has it 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 has been the uh the original direct tv version which is the one that i host and uh the one on Sunday ticket we launched in 2005, so uh, this wow. would be our 16th season this year. The uh, the NFL Network version, and, and I know it gets confusing because I then later went to work at NFL Network, and so that there's this wait a minute, which is which kind right. of confusion still to this day. That one launched maybe five six years after that, and that one's you know on Dish and cable. Uh, it it's been around that long. It was a lot different show back then, yeah. But uh, yeah. 
it, it seems that that truly does seem like a hundred years ago. <laughs> no, I remember the the initial one. It was that was just amazing. You just sat there with your jaw open at first, going, "I can't believe I'm able to watch this." And uh, now we're just used to it. Fifteen years later, but uh, like I said, Andrew, long history in, in Los Angeles uh, radio, TV. Uh, I had forgotten that uh, you were part of the Avengers crew, which uh, I, I covered yes. them for a little bit. Uh, a very uh, n- n- none of us who were involved in that will ever forget uh, that that experience and uh, how uh, how fun that was. But uh, ha- what's it been like to kind of follow the Rams? Because, like I said, you you know you were back there in St. Louis doing some games, so you've been around these these guys, this team for a long time to to kind of have them show up in your backyard a couple of years ago uh, after uh, kind of following them for a while. Has it been has it been interesting to kind of follow their journey or their path uh, firsthand over the last couple of years? Yeah, they're uh, I mean, first of all, I, I was thrilled to have them come to L.A. First and foremost, you know, backstory, though, I, I was raised a, a Browns fan in northern Virginia, which is a whole nother weird one but so as a browns fan i i totally get you know how st louis fans felt it it always is awful and for that matter rams fans felt as well in the 90s when they lost them from here to st louis it always is 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 just a a punch a punch in the gut to to have a team leave however that said um if there's any place i wanted them to go it was here and and thank god we got a team back here because you know you know rich we we lost a whole a whole generation of fans. Um, And I think that's something that not only is a challenge for the teams in Southern California, both of them, but it's, it's a challenge I think, you know, for the league in in Southern California as well, is that, you know, regardless, regardless of which team you root for, just we, we have a whole generation of fans here that not that they don't love football, but they learned to love football by playing fantasy and watching Sunday Ticket and right. and just doing it in 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 some way other than going with mom and dad to the stadium on Sunday, so that's what the Rams and the Chargers are doing their best to try to get back, and that's why I think when we finally do get in SoFi Stadium, that was part of the Rams' vision putting the stadium together is is making it not only a you know a beautiful building for the modern age but but a building for the modern age with you know interactive connectivity for all the fans in there and and Wi-Fi and red zone on the monitors and just you know realizing it's a far different audience than it was when they they packed up and and left Anaheim yeah, there, there's no question. We, we've talked a lot about that, too. It's just you, you can't, uh, you know, people who might have expected, oh, they're, they're just going to drop them back in L.A. and, you know, everything's going to be great and they're going to be embraced and they're going to be as big as the Lakers. <laughs> that's, that's just not that's not how it works. And it's definitely not how it works in L.A. Uh, as, as somebody who's spent a couple of decades here, you know, it's like you, you got to you got to give people a reason. You got to give people a reason to invest uh, their time, their money and everything else. Uh, there's a lot to do yeah. here. And uh, if you uh, don't prove that, that you're worth it and that they should invest, then, then they're not going to. So it's a process, and uh, I, think they're, I think they're going through it. But let, let, let's kind of um, pivot to some of the uh, off-season stories here. And the, the one that I think is still in the front of a lot of people's minds and will be for a while is Todd Gurley. And uh, this has been a, a saga, I guess you can say, ongoing for really about the last year and a half, going back to the end of the 2018 season. 
you probably have a, even a wider perspective than I do because you, you spend so much time talking to the, the national people and, uh, you know, hearing different things. How did you kind of process that as, you know, somebody who's been around the Rams but also has a, a national perspective? Uh, did it surprise you that it, that it came to that or, or did it just kind of feel inevitable uh, based on everything that's happened over the last 18 months or so? I, I would actually say yes to both of those, to both yeah. parts of that question. I, I would say it, it was still surprising to see it happen. But I felt last year something had to give one way or the other. And, and I don't know what that answer was going to be. Was it a trade? Was it a release? Was it, was it Todd just standing up there and saying, listen, I know I'm not the same guy. Whether it was a surgery, and I'm not suggesting that there was ever a sur- like a recommendation for a surgery that, that, that people decided to put off, that, that, right. that's not the case. But there just had to be, there had to be some other shoe to drop. And I, I think at one point last year, when you realized he was getting fewer carries, when you, you saw Rich and you're up there every day, and you just saw the weekly frustration from Todd, which, you know, candidly, I think he could have played better. And, uh, you know, I I don't think, and I I think honestly, the story would have felt a lot better. I'm not blaming Todd. Um, You know, I've had these conversations with people in the past where it's just, just Todd, just if you had stood up there and put a a happier face on all of this, as opposed to making those, Hmm. those press conferences so combative, because when, he made them so combative. I think it led, speaking of the national narrative here, I think it led people to believe that he was hiding something or the Rams were hiding something or there was truly more to this story. I mean, how many times, Rich, were you stopped last spring and summer from a Rams fan and asked, is Todd okay? Should I draft him in my fantasy league? Is he still going to get 1,500 yards? I mean, it was the only thing anybody wanted to talk about. Now, once the season began, it didn't matter if he had put a happy face on it. He's, he, obviously, you're either playing well or you're not playing well. You're either getting carries or you're not getting carries. But I, I just think that the whole thing took on a life of its own. And then, and then once the season started playing out and later in the year, he didn't get the bigger numbers, whether it was carries or yards. That you just you, something had to give one way or the other, and I gotta kind of got a feeling at the combine that something was soon to give. Um, yeah. But I did. I, I I I guess I'm surprised that no one gave them anything. You know that they they couldn't. Right. You, you couldn't salvage a fifth for him or or something like that. And, uh, you know, the contract, I'm sure, is a big issue there as well. Todd is not one to say, yeah, I'll eat money. That's that's not who he is. I, right. I do think, and I'm, and I'm, long-winded, I'm, I'm long-winded here, um, I, I do think he probably still has something left in the tank. I think Atlanta is the perfect place for him back kind of sort of at home in Georgia. Um, and I hope it works out for him because the guy's still young. And, you know, if, if when he lets his guard down, he's an awesome he's an awesome guy on and off the field. So I, I'm rooting for him. Yeah, I, I actually agree with, with all of that to, to make it easy. I guess we could just move on. But um, no, I, I <laughs> you know, I, I think I understood it from the from the Rams perspective in terms of why they weren't 
maybe is forthcoming, even just from a strategic standpoint. I really didn't expect Sean to stand up there on a weekly basis and say, yeah, you know, Todd Gurley's knee isn't real good this week, so we're probably not going to give him the ball a whole lot. And, uh, you know, this right. is what we should expect from the rest of the – like I didn't – I know people wanted and people got really frustrated, you know, like they, you know, they'd be over the all over the reporters. How come you don't ask him the tough questions? How can, like, I mean, we've asked the question – 394 different ways and and they're just not going to answer it and and then like you said I don't I don't blame Todd either um, but I I do think just the idea that there there wasn't any type of insight at all and even this is continuing because just within this past week uh, he went on Chris Long has has started this uh, podcast I, maybe it's been going on longer I've I've just become aware of it but. You know, he had Todd on to do a nice conversation and it's like Chris is trying to even and they're buddies like they've been teammates and, and friends. And Chris is kind of like, hey, you know, what's what was going on? What's going And Todd's just like, man, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just did my job. And it's like, Todd, we know that's not true. Like, it, it doesn't mean you have to stand there, or sit there and, you know, explain everything that's happened for the last two years. But just the the constant like yeah I, I don't know I don't know what you're talking about I don't it, it's it I don't think it really served anybody but I don't know I go back and forth I I don't necessarily blame him for that but but I also don't think that it really helps anybody no it, it doesn't help anybody and and that was the point that I had tried to make leading into last season that the the summer the off season could have could have felt a lot better if if there was just a, a little different tone on the podium, uh, you know, Sean did his part. We, we all know Sean, Sean McVay is, is obviously has a lot of the same standard answers and that's his, and like any other head coach, um, you only want to give so much insight, but Sean said all the right things, obviously last off season. And, and Todd, I think made it a little yeah. more difficult, but I understand his frustration because number one, he's probably not feeling the same. Um, number two, he keeps getting asked the same questions over and over and over again. And number three, you really don't know until you get out there and play. They managed all his touches during the offseason, during the offseason program, during training camp. But you're not going to know until you actually go out there and put the foot on the gas. And and right. it it. Just he was never the same. I don't know if you caught Rich the the Chiefs Monday night game from 2018 that ESPN played a couple of days ago. Right. But sitting here watching that game, and and you know we were both there. It, it you you see you see that burst, and you're like, wow, yeah, that was that guy. But there was also a play I think in the first quarter where he's running right and he gets hit uh, low, oh, yeah, going yeah. out of bounds, and and you're like, man, that that was a shot right on the knee, and he never even. He never looked the same in that game afterwards. And Rich, if you remember, even like back in, in St. Louis when, when they drafted him as a rookie, they took so much grief for taking him even then because he's coming off the knee injury. And, and how dare you even, regardless of the injury, take a running back in the top 10 like they did. And, and they played it so safe, so safe as a rookie. They never let him touch the ball in the preseason as a rookie. And they, they barely let him touch the ball on the field in camp, but there was this one play I remember late in practice, late in training camp in July in Earth City where, where they gave him the ball and, and still you couldn't touch him. He was no contact, but he got down the left sideline and he just he, – he, he, 
outran everyone down the left sideline. And I met with Jeff Fisher afterwards, and you could just see his face light up like, man, he he is so, so special. So he's been able to come back from from a bad knee in the past. I just hope that it it, it hasn't worn him down so much that he doesn't have anything left in the tank, but I'm hoping he does. Yeah, it, it really is a shame. And, I, you know, I hope the same for, for Todd. I think we're on the, the same page here just in terms of I, I didn't see – I didn't see it continuing down the same path. I mean, obviously, they, they tried to do what they thought they needed to do in 2019 in terms of coming up with a plan, manage, managing it. They, they obviously thought that that was reasonable, that they could still get some production out of him, that the offense would still kind of be okay. I, I, it just didn't work for me all around, and, and not only with the results, but kind of just with, with the whole thing, it, it didn't really work. So I, I didn't think they could go into 2020 just – even just tweaking that slightly. Like I, I think kind of like what you said there, it, it had to be kind of a total reimagination of the whole thing or a, or a total flip. I, I don't even know what the answer would have been, but just bringing him back kind of like the same role. I just, I didn't think that was going to work, but so where do they go from? But let's, yeah. but let's say this too, real quick. Mm-hmm. If I, if, I'm sorry if I could jump mm-hmm. in the, the offensive line and the injuries yeah. did him no favors last year at all whether it was inconsistency at right tackle, whether it was left tackle showing a little bit of age, whether it was both center and left guard um, getting injured. And, and let's, let's, let's tell the truth, probably not playing as well as they had hoped before the injuries. And then you work into more rookies. Um, there were offensive line issues. It, it, it was not all the knee, but when you combine all those issues, right. you know, it went down. No, that's that's a great point because I've said and I've I'm not technical technologically advanced enough to do this, but I've always thought just going back through in my my memories, you know, and I'm going, man, the stuff we saw in 2016 because remember that was that was a healthy Todd Gurley in 2016 and the production was nothing. And what was the issue in 2016 in large part? The offensive line wasn't real good. They obviously had issues at quarterback too, making a change there. But I, I think back to the way Todd looked in some of those games in 2016 and how he looked in some of the games in 2019, just with the confidence and that sort of thing. And I, ah, there's, I think there's something to that. But but then again, it's hard to it's hard to put a percentage on it. You know, how much of it is the knee? How much of it is the offensive line? The way the defenses are respecting whatever. I don't know. It's it's really hard to to figure out. But regardless, uh, the Rams now have to do something else. And I want to get your thoughts because here's what they're looking at right now, obviously. Just just on the roster, you've got Malcolm Brown, who's been around for a while. He's been a steady backup to Todd Gurley, has filled in at times when there's injuries or such. Uh, There's Daryl Henderson, third-round pick from last year, who – uh, seemed to have a lot of momentum coming out of the draft and OTAs, and then you know didn't really make the impact uh, for various reasons that that people thought. And then that's really it. They've got John Kelly as a, a practice squad guy who's kind of been around but hasn't really made an impact either. Uh, Two part question: A, how confident do you feel about that group? And B, in my mock draft that I the first mock draft I've ever done, and I I had them. The Rams uh, picking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at number 52. And I get a lot of people who say, why would you do that? Why would you draft a running back in the second (laughs) round? You know, especially after everything we've been talking about and the Rams' other needs and everything like that. 
is that crazy? Would that be a terrible mistake? Or how, how are they going to kind of bridge this uh, between, you know, trying to find a, a, a running game that will work in 2020? So, first of all, I, I love Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And as a uh, reasonably short person, although he, he's taller than me, I, he's one of my favorite players in all of college football. I, I, I know they need to add another back. Um, the, they're not going to go to camp with the, with the roster they have. Daryl Henderson is kind of still very much an unknown, although a lot more falls on his shoulders this year. Rich, I think they have to add another back. I just don't know that it's going to be at 52 yeah. because they have so many pieces to replace defensively, yeah. whether it's at linebacker or at corner. Um, I, I also wouldn't be stunned if they traded down and tried to add more picks too, as as you know they are they are want to do. They they, yeah. they that is how Les has always operated going back to 2012 and the very first pick he had, which was second overall, and he traded that down to six with two extra ones and a two thrown in there. So that that is in his DNA. Um, but if there's a linebacker or a corner that they absolutely fall in love with there that's on the board at 52, um, I say they do it, but uh, they they love trading out. Oh, there's no, what was it, last year? They I don't think Les made a single pick where they were slotted to pick. There, there was one point where they like traded a pick and then traded back for the same pick, I think, later on. So yeah, it's a little, to do these mock drafts, they're fun and it's, it's kind of fun to talk about. But in terms of practicality, I, I don't know how, how realistic it is to, to do any of this. So, so how do you do that then? I mean, do you, do you just, do you look at Third round, fourth round. I mean, they, we know the Rams' salary cap situation. It's not like they have a lot of space to go out and and sign somebody who might even be productive. So, uh, you know, where where's your confidence level on that? Do you feel good about Daryl Henderson, or do you try to create some competition there? I'm I'm just I'm struggling to to think about what the smartest uh, path here is for these guys. They need to add somebody one way or the other. Like Daryl Henderson is a total incomplete grade from last year. I, I wish I knew why he didn't see the field more. You know, it's always it's always tough with rookie running backs, especially those that you want on the field for third down because, and this goes back to the offensive line issue. You ask any head coach about a rookie running back, um, and they always say all the good things about it. You know, he does this and he does that, and then and then your follow is. But can you trust him in pass pro on third down? Right. And that, to me, is the only question that matters. And and Daryl Henderson was supposed to be on the field a lot for third down. Uh, I'm not saying the Rams didn't trust him, but I think that if the offensive line didn't have as many issues and you truly could trust him, maybe you would have seen him on the field a little bit more. I still think the upside is there and they're going to rely on and need a lot from them, but they have to add another running back. And whether it's through subsequent waves of free agency, which there will be, um, especially with this whole offseason. I mean, who knows what's going to actually happen, but you you might have guys come loose in July and August. um, And I would not be stunned at all if they add a guy in the later rounds. Um, but yeah. I don't think that, you know, obviously with the cap, they can't do it, but they're not going to go out there and, and find whatever, you know, big name veteran back is still out there. I can't see that happening. Yeah. Yeah. Me, me neither. How about the offensive line? Because you, know, you talk a lot about the draft and I did the mock draft and I have, I have a pretty good segment 
of fans, pretty large segment of fans that say, oh, you got to get a lineman, you know, spend, spend the two, you know, the, the 52 and 84 or whatever it is, spend them both on offensive linemen because the line was so bad last year. And I don't know, maybe, maybe I, I get lost in my own analysis or, or lost in my own head, but I, I'm just, I'm not seeing it. Like I, I know the Rams had some, some big issues at, at offensive line last year, especially in the first half of the season where everything just looked disjointed across the board. To me, I, I saw some growth there, and, and they've got a lot of options. So is this, like, I keep going back and forth, because a year ago I said, you know, I, I thought they were making a mistake because they were relying too much on young guys. You know, they thought guys could step in for Saffold, for Sullivan, and they had some issues. So now I almost feel like a hypocrite a year later saying, no, 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 it's fine. They don't, they don't need to make any moves. They have everything they need. But am I, am I lost in that? Am I, am, I, am I doing some paralysis by analysis here? Or do they, do they, should they be looking more seriously to, to, to kind of add to that group? Well, I think they, I, I know that they like what they saw from Evans and, and Edwards at the end of the season. You know, are they relying on those guys to be frontline starters? Or well, only they in, you know, can be honest with themselves about that. Yeah, they need to add to that offensive line because, you know, whatever the, 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 the what was the Whitworth contract, like a three year contract, I mean, come on, or four, that, that's, right. we all know that's not a three year contract. So, right. one way or the other, you got to figure out what you're doing at left tackle beyond this year. And you also have to realize that with his age, you're holding, you're crossing your fingers that he's made, that Andrew Whitworth is making it through a full season as well. So, yeah, they have to address the offensive line. I, I don't think, however, I could be entirely wrong. I don't think it's a priority at 52. I, I think defense, when you realize you've lost Fowler, you've lost Littleton, you've lost Roby Coleman, you've lost, um, I mean, jo- Weddle, Joiner the year before. Who else? Uh, Tlaib, I mean, what am I missing? There's probably 15 guys I'm missing. Yeah, right? I mean, Peter's going like out there with that shuffle. Guys. Yeah, I right, mean, Peter's mm-hmm. obviously – look – there's you've lost so many pieces on defense that it's not going to be like the old Bugs Bunny cartoon where where it's first base Aaron Donald second base Aaron Donald third base <laughs> but it feels like he's got to play he's got to play eleven positions which is obviously overstating it they they have other pieces there but they right. they they need bodies on defense they just need bodies yeah yeah there's there's no question about that I can see that. Uh... Especially that inside linebacker position, uh, I you know I don't know a lot yet about Brandon Staley and, and kind of what he emphasizes or what he values in terms of skill sets and that sort of thing. So it makes it a little bit hard to project, but we kind of know his history and the places he's been before. He's you know, been a Vic Fangio disciple for years and years, so you, so you can kind of get a little glimpse of, of maybe what he likes to do and, and what he values. But yeah, I mean, I like some of those young interior guys, but uh, if there's a way to, to upgrade that in a significant way early on, uh, I think that's the way to go. Yeah, I, I agree. I forgot Clay Matthews, too. Yeah, Clay yeah. Matthews, yeah, yeah. Another name. Yeah. So I, I agree. Like, if if you saw somebody, I guess if you saw somebody at 52 who was a left tackle and you went, that's that's absolutely the guy. I mean, we love this guy. We absolutely see him stepping in in 2021 and, and being the left tackle for the next 10 years. Uh, then I guess, right? I mean, I, I guess you have to do that, but but absolutely, yeah, but but if not, there's just so many other 
issues that, that they have to uh, address there. So, I mean, what should we expect here? There, there's a lot of turnover on that on that defense, and and I know. Sean maybe is prioritizing some different things, uh, you know, wanting to be a little bit more flexible, uh, that sort of thing from from week to week. Uh, are, are they're, they're taking some big swings here, right? I mean, and really they have in the past too. I mean, from year to year, they they make a lot of changes uh, on defense. So are <laughs> are you are you feeling okay about some of these these moves that they made, or, or are there areas that you look at and kind of go, ooh, I, I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I would say, and this sounds like a cop out. I know that it is only April first when we're we're having this conversation yeah. today. And whether it's the draft or a second or third or fourth wave of free agency, the roster week one is not going to look the same as it does right now. I, I know that that sounds like uh, just a company line, but you see it every year with teams that seemingly win or lose free agency in March. Rarely, you know, do do are do these uh, big proclamations that we in the media make about free agency in March have have much bearing when it actually comes to the season. So yeah, I'm concerned. They need bodies clearly. Um, they need more defensively. And I also think, and and this this isn't really necessarily about the Rams, but you talk about the turnover, Rich, without having any idea. How this offseason is going to play out, but knowing it is going to be a lot different um, with a lot less time on the field, if any time on the field. The teams that stand to come out of this the best are the teams uh, with continuity. Like before, look, look at the draft here. Um, a team that might have hired a new GM and blown out its scouting staff is in a bad position, like, like the Browns, for example. Uh, look at the NFC East. The Eagles, same coach, same GM, same coordinators. Look at the rest of that division. Right. Cowboys, new head coach. Same GM, but new head coach. New assistant coaches. Redskins, new everything. Uh, Giants, new head coach, new staff, same GM, who's allegedly on thin ice. The Eagles stand out in that division because they have continuity. And they're not making any major drastic changes. So if the season had to start tomorrow... The Eagles would be better than anyone else because they, they know what they're doing. And I, right. I think continuity is going to be huge for the Rams in that they have the same GM and the same head coach, but they're going to be hurt in the fact that they're working in new coordinators, more defensively in the special teams than offensively. But um, that, that's like the big storyline for me for all 32 teams is that are you organized enough to come through this? Yeah, no question. I mean, we don't we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, for people who've been following the news, know that you know the offseason programs for for teams like the Rams that, like you said, bring back a new head coach. April twentieth was the was the date where you can start bringing people in your building. Uh, the league's already said that's not going to happen. Uh, the the programs typically run through, I guess, mid to late June when you when you factor in those the mandatory mini camps. I, how confident can you feel about that right now? I mean, with everything that's being shut down, I mean, Wimbledon just gets canceled and that, that was supposed to be around that time. They're, they're not even talking about baseball starting up. To, to think that you're going to have the ability to have 100, 150 people, whatever it is, in your building anytime in June, I, I don't, I, I, I would, trust me, I would love to think that we can get to that point as a society uh, in, in the next sure. couple months, but... I, I just don't think that's feasible. And then what does that mean? I mean, I know we're going you know, hypothetical on top, on top of hypothetical here, but 
you know, then you start thinking about training camp in July and, and how far out can you look at that and say, okay, everything is going to be clear by the last week of, of July or whatever it is. So uh, I guess from circling back to the Rams, it's, it's a little bit of a split, right? Because a lot of the offense is still, you talk about a new coordinator, but that's essentially Sean McVay's baby, uh, you know, right. it's, it's going to be his offense. Todd Gurley not being there, yeah, that's that's a big thing. But essentially, you've got every other piece back on on offense, and then the defense is probably what sixty percent new at this point, if if not more. So mm-hmm. I, I, I guess it's it's a little bit of a split there. I don't know whether you take comfort in that or whether it scares you, or I guess probably a little bit of both, right? It's probably a little bit of both. Like I, I'm with you. I think the offense will be just fine. I mean, it all runs through Sean anyway. Um, but. Yeah. Like everyone keeps asking me, are, are you certain the season's starting on time? Well, here's what I can tell you. Number one, um, Jeff Pash and Troy Vincent and, and league officials yesterday after the virtual owners meeting said, yeah, the plan and the expectation is now to have a full 16-game schedule starting on time with fans. Yeah. Um, but then Jeff Pash you know, said somewhat tongue-in-cheek, you know, but I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. And he doesn't mean getting fired or dying. He's, he, you know, It's not like he's, he's tested positive and he's in the hospital. He's on a conference call. It, but it's right. it's just I think the, the idea that we none of us have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. Yeah. I, we just don't. Yeah. And I, I, it, it, it's such a cliche under normal circumstances. It is absolutely the truth in this world that we're living in. And the NFL does have the benefit of the long game. And that training camp is what, 15 weeks away, potentially. And the start of a regular season is five months and a week away. So they, they can be optimistic now, and they have the benefit of watching what uh, the NBA and the NHL do, or the MLS, or what baseball does, and and kind of learning as we go, and hopefully things get better. But I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't think, you know, they're, they're, they're certainly pragmatic, you know, they're making their contingency plans, but they are also hoping that they have the benefit of time here and that things will uh, will get better. But in terms of, you know, mini camps in May, yeah, I'm not a league spokesman, but I think we all know that that is uh, close to close to certainly not happening. Yeah, very, very unfortunate to all around. That's for sure. And like I said, it's I, I will celebrate when when we're able to to go to a, a training camp practice or something like that because it means we've reached the point that uh, people are able to go out again and and live their lives again and that'll that'll definitely be something to celebrate so i'm very much uh looking looking forward to that day but yeah and again like you said it's just it's day by day and we'll stay on it and and see uh, you know kind of how the schedule goes but andrew i think we've uh, we've avoided the issue long enough um, okay. The the Rams have debuted new colors and logos, and I just every time I use a certain word, a segment of fans gets gets angry at me. So I I don't know how you want to say it. Uh, some fans are upset. A lot of fans are upset. A few fans are upset. Every fan is upset. D- depending on who you talk to on Twitter, you you can it's like Mad Libs. You can you can fill in 
uh, whichever phrase you'd like there. But uh, you guys uh, on NFL Network have obviously transitioned to to using the logos. Uh, what did what did you think? I, I should maybe shouldn't put you on the spot with your personal opinion, but but what did you think about <laughs> you the ahead, way that they okay. were? Uh, what did you think about the way that they were received in 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 the marketplace? And did it did it surprise you at all, or were you expecting some some backlash just on the way that this thing kind of kind of went? Well, just go back a couple of weeks. The the I, I hate that the hat leaked because yeah. I think it kind of, especially in our in our Twitter society that we live in, I think it kind of poisoned the well a little bit. Yeah. And and you know, I mean, just listen. I'm not one to criticize other members of the media, but the idea that you need to pull a hat off of Reddit and yep, this is it. And and I mean, <laughs> really, I mean. Mm-hmm. Was I, I realize that I'm not exactly uh, doing Woodward and Bernstein work sometimes. But uh, it just seemingly leaking a hat to me kind of kind of ruined this whole process here. I love the Ram logo. Like right. the, the Ram itself, I I love that logo. Um, love, 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 love. And I tweeted that as soon as it came out. The LA logo, eh, candidly, not my favorite. Right. Um, but I, I also think, and JB Long made this point too on Twitter, JB, Voice of the Rams, for those who obviously don't remember, JB uh, said, uh, what is it? Go through the 32 NFL logos and tell me right now how many of them you absolutely love <laughs> and how many of them you're just like, yeah, yeah, that's the logo. Right. All right, cool. Um, I, I think the logo is going to grow on people. I, I, I do. Um, and and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take the draft hat and just go, Oh, I hate this thing because it's on a draft hat. I, I right. think it'll grow on people. Uh, I haven't seen the full uniform, if you want to know, but I, I think going by those colors, if you stick with with what we hope to be like a, a return to like a traditional Rams uniform, you know, more of the '80s look. Uh, I I think the uniforms are going to look good, and I'll say this again: I love the actual Ram itself. Yeah, I do too. Actually, I, I don't really understand. I mean, there's there's people who have been kind of nitpicking. I'm like, well, you have to put eyes on it, or you, and I'm like, okay, well, you can you can do that for as, as long as you want. But I mean, essentially, do you like the logo or not? I, you know, I, I think at some point you just need to kind of make a call. I my I think I said this last week too. I'm to to pull off the L.A. thing. Like, I know it's kind of a thing. You know, obviously the Dodgers have made it iconic. Uh, you know, some other teams do it. The Kings have included it in their logo. It's it's not, I'm not the biggest fan in general of the, you know, needing to put LA in your logo. I totally understand from a marketing standpoint why you do it and why you absolutely have to do it. But it's it's not really my thing. So I, I, I do, if, if I could have one, you know, wish for, for Rams fans who are upset it would just kind of be, you know, okay, you don't, you don't have to like that one, but just kind of accept it, you know, that it has to be there. Sure. And, and don't, don't, then don't buy that hat. Don't buy that t-shirt. You know, there's, there's going to be other stuff. There's going to be the Ram head logo. There's going to be plenty of other stuff. So it seems like there's a lot of emphasis just on how that one, uh, you know, one logo looks and, and maybe a little bit less of a, a bigger picture. I don't know. I go back and forth. I mean, I know they wanted to split things and and do the logos at one point and do do the uniforms at another time 
I'm wondering if it, it, this is total hindsight, by the way, but I'm wondering if it wasn't better to just maybe do everything at once so that you could kind of get a complete picture of, of how everything ties together. You know, here's the logo, here's how the uniforms look, here's how things mesh together. Um, I don't know. Again, that's, that's me sitting here in my stupid chair, you know, giving marketing advice, <laughs> but it, it just seems to me maybe that would have been a way to kind of put everything in, in context, if that makes sense. No, I, I get it. I think they, you know, you know, they wanted to do the, uh, they wanted to do it in two, in, in two parts because they wanted to do the actual uniform reveal at the stadium when you could have people in yeah. there, some kind of event to, to kind of christen the stadium before Taylor Swift, and that obviously now is is highly unlikely to happen. Um, right. And and they did it the way they did it with with the charitable element involved. I, I hear what you're saying. I just, I am a big fan personally. I, I'm on the record. I, I want it all blue and white. I wanted like. Um, I would have gotten rid of the yellow. That's just me. Um, but I get why the yellow is such an integral part of the uniform. Um, but I'm 1946 Bob Waterfield blue and white. That's that's the that was the 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 look that I always wanted. My favorite Ram shirt um, that I wear around town is uh, one uh, by the 47 brand. You know, you know mm-hmm. that brand yep. kind of has a lot of the old school stuff, and it's just the the old 40s. Um, blue and white ram's head and then that's that's what i love and they kind of you know obviously this new look logo has a lot of that feel to right. it um with the ram's head but i was a big blue and white fan but i understand the need to incorporate some kind of yellow tone which clearly is gonna is gonna happen yeah i think that one was it's it's kind of funny how and again i'm not uh, i'm not mocking anybody but it, it was kind of like throughout this whole process the big thing was the colors like you have to get the colors right you have to get the colors right and and uh, yeah I, I i think the blue and light white looks really sharp too but i i think just from my my you know kind of feeling with rams fans i, I think the blue and yellow was was pretty overwhelming and uh, you know I, mm-hmm. I think if you would have told them well even two months ago you know okay you're gonna get your blue and yellow uh, a lot of them would have been thrilled. <laughs> and then it was like Correct. everything kind of came out. And it's like you you got your blue and yellow, but then that suddenly kind of got really de-emphasized because you didn't like the logo. So, you know, it's it kind of feels like it got flipped a little bit. Like a couple months ago, the colors were way more important than than any than any logo that might than come Than the out. logo. Yeah, and, and now it's right. kind of... And, and again, I haven't seen it, but right. I, I guarantee... I can't guarantee anything, right. but I would be surprised. I remember, like, Rich, I'd be stunned right. if that logo was on the helmet. That logo is not going to be on the helmet. Right, right. Yeah, I think there's... And so, right. I mean, I, I would be absolutely stunned. So it's one thing to dislike a logo. The idea that that logo is somehow going to interrupt your enjoyment of the uniform on game day, right. I think, is is... Is, is kind of ridiculous. It's not. Yeah, I, I agree. And that I guess that was kind of my point in terms of, you know, doing doing it all at once. Maybe it would have mitigated that a little bit. To, to, sure. Because yeah. there is that That's fear now. I think totally. so a lot of people do have that fear that maybe, I don't know, however the horns are going to look or what, it, you know, however that logo is going to be incorporated. I think that's kind of the, and I understand it. It's kind of a thing where you go like, oh, you know, are, are we going to have to see this on the on the helmet or whatever? So maybe maybe if you did it all at once, then it would have been a way to be like, all right, well, you know, here's here's how it all all looks in in context. But I I, I also think, and I don't I, I also don't discount people's opinions. Like I'm 
I've told people you should absolutely express your your opinion if you don't like of something. Of course, uh, that's that's it's the market, right? I mean, it's it's a business, and and they're selling merchandise, sure. and and uh, you know if if eighty percent of the people go buy the Ramhead logo logo stuff, and twenty percent of the people buy the uh, buy the LA logo stuff. I can guarantee you that that'll be noted, <laughs> and and sure, and the mar- and the market will adjust. Yeah. And, and if it means anything, if it means anything, the what I what I have heard um, is, is that the players that have were you know had a bunch of players in early to 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 post some videos or got the stuff really post the videos right. for social media. You guys saw all those. That the reaction from those guys was actually really positive. Mm-hmm. So. That's encouraging. It is, yeah, and it's 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 going to take some time. I mean, everything that you see that's new is jarring. I mean, how many different kind of logos reveals have we had or rebrands, and and you see it instantly, and you go, oh wow, that's that's not what I, that's not what I'm used to seeing. That's not what I maybe wanted to see or whatever. But uh, over time, we'll we'll see where it goes. I I honestly think in the end, people will will gravitate more towards wow, those those colors are really sharp. Uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully the uniform reveal goes well, and and I think at the end of the day that will end up being way more important than yeah. you know whatever logo might be on a hat or, or a, a t-shirt or something like that. So I, I guess that's still TBD, but but I really think that that will be kind of the truest measure and and kind of where people settle is is where that goes. So I guess we're probably going to have a. Uh, a little bit more time on that. Yeah, the other that's unfortunate too. I, I think they had bigger plans for kind of how they wanted all this to to come out. It wasn't just going to be a little video uh, on on the website. You know, they they kind of had bigger plans for how they were going to unveil the stuff and and present it and all that. So don't know exactly how that's going to go. I don't even know if the Rams know exactly how that's going to go at this point because so much is still uh, TBD. But uh, hey, it gives us something to talk about, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's the off season. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, Andrew Siciliano, thank you so much. Uh, I, I, again, reiterate the point that I, that I made at the beginning of the episode. It's, it's great to have NFL Network there, uh, not only to keep us informed, but to, to give us something to watch and uh, something to, to distract us a little bit in this time. I know everybody very much looks forward to the day when we can get back to normal and when we can uh, start talking about actual practices and games and, and everything like that. But uh, great to have you and uh, folks can always follow along both on Twitter and Instagram, Andrew Siciliano, all one word. And uh, of course you can, you're on every time I turn on NFL network, you're on, I, I know some of them are taped, uh, but uh, you, you're, you're like the, the, the second, mo- you know, other than me, you're like the most prominent person in my household, <laughs> I, I think these days. So, so it's, it's good to see you and it's, it's good to talk to you and uh, anything, uh, anything you want to, you want to share with the fans or anything else you want to plug uh, as, as we, as we uh, depart here. Well, Rich, you, you 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 gave the best plug, so thank you. I'm just happy we're on the air, and I'm happy we're able to, to still connect with fans. And uh, thanks for having me on. I'm glad we did this. It's a long time. I wasn't I wasn't joking when I said I listened to the podcast. So glad we did this, and uh, hope you and your family stay safe. And uh, we could actually uh, shake hands on a field somewhere sometime soon. Yeah, right on. I will absolutely uh, look forward to that. So so thanks uh, for all that great insight. A lot of fun. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, I know, I hope everybody's doing as well as possible out there. I know everybody's in their own unique 
uh, situation, but, but hang in there and, uh, you can always interact with me on Twitter at rich underscore Hammond. Feel free to yell at me about logos. I, that's fine. I, I, I'm, I, I can take that. I, I can be your sounding board. We can go back and forth and, and, uh, have some fun debate, but there's a lot else to talk about. We're, we're be pivoting very quickly here to the draft and, uh, what the Rams might do just in, in about three weeks time here. So we'll keep going with the podcast and uh, talk about all that news and anything else that comes along. So thanks everybody for listening. Thanks everybody for the reviews on iTunes and the rankings and all that sort of thing. Uh, It is appreciated. And most of all, thanks for listening. Be safe out there. Take care. And we will talk to you again very soon.